0: Welcome to the Ethical Creativity Hevruta podcast. I'm super excited to have you guys here this morning. We have Dr. Dan Glass with us and Sandy Bisson. uh, And we're sort of our three hosts. My name is Nicholas Cole-Farrell. And we're going to be bringing you through this idea of ethical creativity through a Hevruta or a pair sharing or a small group sharing uh, in our podcast. We're going to be interviewing folks from all around the Bay Area, around the U.S. and around the world around this emergent work of ethical creativity. So kind of our first question, and the first thing I want to kind of talk about was, what is ethical creativity? Which is such an amazing phrase, but we sort of wanted to to define that and talk about that a little bit. So maybe, uh, Dan, could you share with us sort of like what the process behind the process is and what ethical creativity is?
1: Sure, yeah. Um, This is really fun to do this live podcast uh, approach sitting in this room with the two of you, um, and hello to all the listeners. So the way, w- uh, the, the way we tell the origin story of ethical creativity usually is that um, in 2015, we were starting to look at some of our instructional spaces here at the Brandeis School of San Francisco, and um, there was real interest in maker education um, among some of the faculty and some of the school leadership. We didn't yet have maker spaces, though. And so we started to do some conceptualizing and imagining and thinking about what maker spaces here at Brandeis could be. And I had been involved in opening maker spaces um, at my previous school at Wildwood in Los Angeles. And um, for me, one of the big questions was how are these different by virtue of uh, being in the context of Jewish education? And um, those those that question and the conversations that flowed out of it um led us to um uh to include uh rabbi heschel's notion of awe in our um uh in the acronym of create which is creativity reflection engineering engineering Engineering. awe Tinkering. tinkering tinkering and entrepreneurialism entrepreneurship very good yeah yeah Um, uh, but it was that that process of thinking about it that led us to an idea this sort of phrase ethical creativity and we were thinking you know we didn't want these maker spaces to just teach kids how to think with their hands and uh, how to you know tinker and create and um, do the kind of constructivist Learning modalities that we wanted to to engender in uh, in maker spaces. We wanted them also to teach kids um, how to do that work and do creative work in the world um, oriented toward uh, making the world a better place or with a clear um, ethos embedded in it. And that is how we came up with the phrase ethical creativity. Mm. That's great. Thank
0: you so much. Thanks for that background. Um, So we have Sandy here too as well. And and Sandy is an amazing educator with years and years of experiments talking about different learning modalities in different subjects and different age groups. And right now at the Brandeis School of San Francisco and actually over the last three years?
2: We're
0: on year four. On year four. Awesome. Sandy has worked as a maker educator here and really helped shape and define what maker education looks like here at the Brandeis School of San Francisco and among other pieces is the primary tenant of the create space that uh, Dan had talked about before but Sandy like is super impressive and I'm so amazed at how she does sort of implementation and and bringing these ideas and bringing them to the classroom level so with that like huge introduction could you share with our listeners sort of some of what ethical creativity looks like in your curriculum design work in your classroom sort of like either big picture or day-to-day with the students how does that bubble up or how does that um, come in different directions for students
2: absolutely so from the planning angle when I'm sitting down and thinking about what I want to teach this year and how I want to teach it I tend to work very theme-based because I think when we're talking about working with ethical creativity connection is so much a part of that thinking about how things within our world and things within our learning are all connected and how they play off each other and build off each other so that's why I've really taken a thematic approach and looking at the year as a whole and then dividing down you know month by month week by week what I do with with the students and you know ethical creativity is You know, deeply rooted in things like design thinking and all these other creative kind of methodologies and pedagogies. But I think what makes us different is I really try to slow down with the kids. I think so many times when we're doing design, there's this, this working through the steps, kind of barreling through the process. And what we really want to do is is stop and pause and think about the work we're doing, both from the the why we're doing it. What does this project contribute to the world? To the materials we're using, and are we making the best choice of materials? Um, both from like an environmental standpoint and from a user standpoint, and then um, really imagining how we can build these projects so that they're not just something that's going to go home and and be tossed in the trash can Mm -hmm. but that's something that's going to be useful and beautiful and enduring for our students and our community
0: that's really great I think if our listeners could see Dan and I when Sandy was talking it was a sort of like so many head nods, so many yeses. So as we were as as she was talking we were like yes, 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 absolutely encouraging. So maybe video in the future of us just being like, "Oh yeah, absolutely." But no, that's <laughs> the so nodding true. Heads podcast. Yeah, the nodding heads podcast. Exactly. <laughs> um <laughs> and I and theater. in sort of one of the pieces that you said there, I definitely bumped up against this is like putting the "why" in the work, and I remember in our early conversations last spring Ahead of the institute that we ran last summer, which uh, folks heard uh, reflections from the cohort on the previous podcast episode, uh, we sort of talked about putting the why in design thinking, or th- putting the why in this work. And I think it's like it's certainly important to so not only knowing the why and identifying it, but acting on that why. Mm-hmm. And I think that's sort of a theme that kind of circles or cycles through this work as well.
1: I. I also really um appreciated the the point about slowing down. I think when we were, you know, w- we have been very um intentional about uh creating a space where ethical creativity as a notion can um uh can sort of grow and and become something um and it's been very much in a state of becoming as we've engaged with what it could be with faculty, with each other, um, both through the institute and through the the work in the classroom. Um, but as we this last year took a lot of the learning over the previous few years and really tried to articulate um, ethical creativity as a process, we we focused a lot on pausing and on uh, you know stopping. Um, you know both at the outset in the moment of you know adding a step to the design thinking process that's really about awe and like you know trying to to widen the horizons of the questions that one might be asking um, and also throughout the process to ask about you know the 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 outcomes the why's also the materials and all of that and um, I, I don't this summer I had an opportunity to read a bunch about Awe and wonder. And I, I think um, the, the, um, the language and methodology of design thinking has become so um, sort of intertwined with um, a, a, a very um, product focused version of Silicon Valley, which is very much the, the culture that we're all steeped in here in San Francisco and the Bay Area. And, you know, my, my hope for this work with kids. Is that partly what we're doing is is teaching them to slow down and have those moments to really stop and um, give space to the big questions, um, but even just give give space for the s- sake of giving space, you know, to slow down and, and stop and not always be uh, hurtling toward an end, you know. Um, so I love that.
2: And you know, I think the slowing down has become huge just and it's so embedded in the work we're trying to do with students um, particularly even just around taking a moment and enjoying the feel of a material in your hands and having that tactile experience you know I'm just as guilty as anyone else of spending way too much time on my phone and my iPad and living in that digital world and taking a moment to let all come through our senses and, and touch and taste and see and feel. Um, I know in my personal life, my favorite maker space is still my kitchen <laughs> um, because that's where I think I'm most just in tune with not worrying about anything else and just playing with, with raw materials and raw ingredients. And I want to give the kids that opportunity for some time each week just to, to be in those moments. Mm. Mm.
1: That's nice.
0: That's excellent. Where do you all see this work going? What does success look like? What does adoption look like in this work?
2: I think I've been focusing on those small successes when the work spills out beyond the create space and beyond my room. And I see them doing similar hands-on work in the classrooms, or I see them out at recess playing with the blue blocks and And building things with their imagination or they come in after the weekend and show me something they made at home over the weekend that's you know they're excited to share so for me it's the percolating beyond that feels like success right now excellent
1: Excellent. yeah i mean i see success in so many different places here you know uh after the first summer when, when it was just called the Summer Creativity Institute and not the Ethical Creativity Institute, we um, you know, seeing like a first grade change maker project go from being just interviewing somebody who had made change to um, inviting the first graders to think about what change they would want to make in their school and in their world and that, just that transition to um, centering on the student and empowering the student to make meaningful change um that's an example of a kind of success uh of ethical creativity here at Brandeis um but you know I just last week was uh out here in this hallway outside uh the sound lab and technology office where we're sitting and noticed that um the third grade uh starts the year using um uh a a project that we did in the ethical creativity institute in 2017 with rabbi adina allen from the jewish studio project of you know painting uh the the little squares with the you know one corner of a circle um and then putting those four circles together and um the the um the reflective practice um the relationship between um, uh, creativity and spirituality that's embedded in that, um, project, the way that kids sort of bring themselves to the work and then, you know, assemble a whole from, from their various parts. All of that to me, um, that's what ethical creativity looks like yeah. in practice. Um, and I think success looks like all those many, uh, versions of it, uh, proliferating and you know I know the cool thing about the institute is that we're also bringing in educators from all over the world and so I know there are those moments happening in their schools as well that's really exciting
0: and I think throughout this podcast series we're excited to check in with those folks and see what this looks like on the ground for them Um, just to double back for a second we also need to give credit to the third grade here at the Brandeis School of San Francisco for coming in with a wicked pun on that project and it's the peaceful and uh, it's peace but it's piecing together as well so they get two bonus points wow. for s- for a strong pun game on that love a good pun, yeah absolutely um as we're sort of wrapping up is there any sort of what's one thing you can recommend to our listeners if there's something that sort of has caught your eye recently a book a piece of media an idea something that sort of jumped out at you that uh, folks can check out and and dig into around this work or just that's offered you awe or wonder in your life
2: uh last night i watched the final episode of making it oh my god that was going to be
0: mine you stole it <laughs> <laughs> and
2: i found myself getting a little choked up at the end when they were talking about how when we are making especially when we're making together we're having a moment of 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 pause and reflection and positivity of bringing something new and good into the world mm-hmm. that is sorely missing yeah now and that just you know this is a primetime show and to hear it there yeah being reflected was so like it's such a nice moment
0: I when I was talking to um my partner about it we had said it was like the most, most joyous th- reality competition oh show gosh. we've ever <laughs> seen would, yeah everyone that was was uh, quote eliminated. It was just like, oh, oh, well, that's too bad. But this has been really fun and you know, there's no uh drama associated with it. It's just that the entire experience was uh pretty joyous for all the makers. Oh, so lovely. Yeah. And Polar and Offerman are pretty wonderful too. So that's the making it series series one just or season one sorry i'm in british mode for a second uh season one just ended on nbc but i think it's on video on demand and they re-upped it for a second season so we're going to be in great shape but that's a great recommendation so great that that was going to be mine (laughs) now i have to think
1: (laughs) i well i clearly need to watch this show i um uh, kate and i have been fans of parks and rec and so saw the ads for making it and was curious just because I actually the very first class I ever taught uh, was at at UC Berkeley they had a a, um, program where students could you could sign up to teach a class as a student if you had a faculty advisor and we um, uh, a group of friends and I taught a class on the upright citizens brigade Uh, which was uh, Amy Poehler's um, sort of uh, origin as a as a television personality, um, uh, it was on. Um, we called it Upright Citizens Brigade: Chaos Society. and Society. Why have we never <laughs> talked about this? This is amazing. <laughs> it was my one moment. Uh, yeah, diving deeply into uh, improv comedy and um, anyway, I've followed her career ever since. Yeah, that, um, they had
0: that show on Comedy Central for
1: for like a hot minute. They did. Yeah. Yes. Yes, and. The thing that was always so interesting about it, this is a huge tangent, so um, apologies uh, to this all of our listeners. This is the tangent portion of our podcast, yes. so you're good. Yeah. Um, they uh, On that show, they would have these sort of absurdist sketches, and then they would take a character from the sketch and um, put them in the uh, w- real world, mm. and then just film people's reactions to the you know that absurd character and so for the final exam uh, for our class we had people design um, their own uh, engagements and so we had um, kids do all kinds of crazy things uh, all over campus um, and film themselves and film each other and then uh, then we watched uh, watched all of them for the the quote unquote final. It's great class. Wow, um, <laughs> really. And what we did as um, uh, instructors of the class, in you know, in the f- in the um, spirit of pranking, I guess, which is sort of what all of this was about, um, we had the faculty advisor come to the last class and um, very sadly read uh, a a. Mock letter from the university administration informing everyone in the class that upon reviewing the material of the course, they had decided that it was not worthy of credit. And so no one was going to receive credit for the course. And we had people in the class who needed it to like fill a full time um, schedule. And, you know, there were r- real stakes riding on people's <laughs> two credits that they were getting for this course. We had a great faculty advisor for this class, and um, as he stood there sort of informing everyone of this, sadly, he there was a podium in the class, and he sort of stood there and, like, let it sit in the room for a minute, and then he reached down under the podium and pulled out a beer and opened it and then stood there <laughs> and drank the beer. <laughs>
0: that's like to me that's a uh willy wonka <laughs> moment as well where it's just like this is the test <laughs> that's amazing uh, that was great all right so when we get that time machine i think sandy and i are going to go back <laughs> and audit that class
1: ah, yes and uh bryce traster wherever you are last i heard he was a professor in canada great well played great faculty well advisor played. thank yeah. you bryce that's excellent (laughs) so is that your piece that you recommend (laughs) that's great Uh, yeah yeah a little absurdist sketch comedy no that's awesome that's
0: awesome well I was gonna go with making it uh as as we said before but for me um the piece of culture that I'm super interested in right now and I'm really looking forward to it is there's a documentary filmmaker Gary Hustwit who had done a documentary on the uh typeface Helvetica Mm. As well as a documentary called Objectified on sort of the history of industrial design and product design. And then the third of that design trilogy was a piece called uh, Urbanized, uh, which sort of looked at the process of urbanization, suburbanization, deurbanization, and sort of this renewal towards living in urban areas that's kind of taken place in the last 20 years or so. But he has a new documentary coming out in the fall, which is sort of what we're knocking on the door of on the German designer Dieter Roms, who designed for Brown, mm. the German company, for many years. Um, it was this super influential sort of post-Bauhaus, minimalist designer, industrial designer. A lot of the products that you see from like Apple Computer and Johnny I, the designer, comes from that tradition of sort of those clean lines and minimalist design anyways there's a documentary coming out called rams which if you don't speak german just looks like rams and you're like why would you go see a documentary about this animal (laughs) but um this documentary is coming out in a few weeks there's a san francisco premiere at the castro theater in early october my wife and I have our babysitter lined up. We're really excited to go to it. We're going to meet <laughs> the filmmaker. I don't think the star of it, Dieter Rams, is going to be there. He's in his early 90s or so, lives in southern Germany. But anyways, there's one great slogan that sort of encapsulates his design, and it has some ethical creativity components as well. And in German, it's Winnege ababessa which is essentially means less but better. And it, it sort of helps us think about more is not always the best Mm. sometimes just sort of take a pause do less but make that better Mm. Um, and it's sort of an interesting motto to approach but so that's that's my tangent on (laughs) design and german filmmaking and all of these pieces but (laughs) um all right well this is super fun this is definitely going to happen again we're definitely going to have us back here Um, and then throughout the series i think you'll probably be hearing from Sandy interviewing folks Dan interviewing folks myself interviewing folks and maybe every few episodes we'll kind of come back and talk a little bit about those episodes kind of meta on meta or talk about some of the new work that's happening but thanks so much for being with us thank you both for taking time Um, our listeners our keen listeners who are listening with headphones can probably pick up the sound of students coming through our hallways in the background and that's not um added sweetener to our podcast that's not post-production work those are legitimate awesome students that we have in the classrooms that neighbor the studio we're recording in so have a joyous day have an awful day not an awful day but a a day filled with awe and (laughs) uh and shana tova uh ahead of the weekend and uh, thank you guys so
1: much thanks